My name is Peter Himmelman, Grammy and Emmy-nominated musician, author, and chief dream enabler of Big Muse. I'm proud to underwrite this episode of The Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Discover why companies like Adobe, 3M, McDonald's, and Gap have brought in Big Muse's rock and roll-fueled seminars to get inspired, to get insight, and to get activated. Write to me today at peter at bigmuse.com. Entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. I'm proud to let you know we record this show in the studios of 94.3 FM The Talker, which is part of Bold Gold Media, and we are in my hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania. My guest, Chuck Collins, you know where Scranton, Pennsylvania is, don't you, Chuck? I sure do. I love that area. You'd love it. You, you drive through frequently. That's what happens, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, actually, I wouldn't mind hanging out in the northern Alleghenies and oh. the history of the anthracite coal industry and all that interesting stuff in the Lehigh Valley. Nice, so anyway. nice job, Chuck. I, I threw you a curveball and you handled that well. That was very good. So the Business Builder Show is proudly distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find the Business Builder Show and many other fine shows on C-Suite Radio. You can also find the Business Builder Show on iTunes. SoundCloud and on my website, Marty Wolf Business Solutions.com. Um, my guest is Chuck Collins, who I've already put on the spot. And um, so, Chuck, yesterday on Facebook Live with Senator Bernie Sanders and today on the Business Builder Show. Wow. I'm a, you know, it's a twofer. It's a twofer. I listened. Nice show. Nice job with Bernie Sanders, uh, Senator. It was a, it was a, it was a great job. So I think it was my first big Facebook Live appearance. I don't know if you've had that experience, but uh, I have. That, that you know, everyone can be your own media. <laughs> that's that's what this is all about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even. Uh, even a senator can do a pretty good podcast or a pretty good Facebook Live, I should say. It was it was a good show, good job. You yeah, know? at one hundred fifty thousand views now. So cool. Out of twenty four hours, so that's pretty. good. How do people find that? Can, they can still get that. Would they go to uh, a Bernie Sanders uh, Facebook page? How would people yeah. find that? I don't know. Uh, Facebook dot com slash Senator Sanders. Send Sanders. I would suggest people do that. I, I yeah. really I enjoyed it. So it'll give you more information about our guest. And um, we're bringing uh, Chuck Collins back uh, uh, two in a row here, if you will, because we want to cover more information in a paper that he wrote. For those of you who may have missed the first show, Chuck Collins is a senior scholar at the Institute for Policy Studies, where he directs the program on inequality and co-edits inequality.org. That's inequality.org. His newest book is Born on Third Base. A one presenter makes the case for tackling inequality, bringing wealth home, and committing to the common good. So that's his book. And again, I'll mention that I first heard Chuck on NPR. I did buy his book. I loved his book. 
And again, the second show in a row with Chuck Collins, and we are talking about his paper, uh, which is titled Reversing Inequality, Unleashing the Transformative Potential of an Equitable Economy. So again, uh, Chuck, welcome back to the show, man. You know, Thanks. Great to be back with you. Yeah. Um, again, Born on Third Base is his book. I mentioned the paper. I'm, I'm going to mentor, mention several times the website, uh, inequality.org. So look that up right now. Get that on your screen as you listen and take notes. So uh, let's see here. How do we start? Well, let's make sure that we know that everyone knows your background. Give us the whole, what's this one percenter thing mean? Tell me about that. Well, I I say that I was born on third base, which to me means I, I I was born where a lot of people spend their time in the batter's box trying to get to. Um, so I'm, as the great as great grandson of the meatpacker Oscar Meyer, um, our family business went public in the uh, you know in the in the early '80s was sold I should say, um, and and uh, yeah, so I grew up with access and and and, and around. Uh, people with wealth and had wealth myself and kind of made a decision early on to, to move that money along, give it to, give it to charity, partly because I thought I could make my own way. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of tuned. That was really in the mid eighties as, as we as a country were just starting to kind of pull apart economically. Mm. So I've been just, I felt like I've had a front row seat to the inequalities that you and I have talked about the, the, the details of, um, and the real question is, well, what what can we do about it in a yeah. way that that doesn't um, yeah that doesn't undermine the healthy economy we have? Chuck, why why do you do this? There's a curveball. Why, why why do you do this? You don't have to do this. Why are you doing this? Well, you know, actually, it's very selfish on my part. I kind of think that our we would just have we we would have such better lives if we didn't have the stresses and uh, the economic insecurities that come from such an unequal economy. I think we would have a more thriving local business culture um, if yeah. we didn't have huge monopolies uh, of power and wealth. Yeah. So yeah. it's really, to me, it goes to that, the subtitle of that report, which is how do you unleash the potential of a more equitable economy? Yeah. I think there's a huge upside to reducing inequality. I agree. That's why you're here. So the paper uh, can be found that we're discussing on inequality.org. You just hit the Our Work tab. You'll see reports and you'll see this um, this paper, in Reversing Inequality, the first show that we had you. We uh, covered uh, several topics, inequality trends, why inequality matters, systemic drivers of inequality, and lessons from other systems. Today, we're going to be talking about interventions and solutions, and there's no way we're covering everything in detail, so you have to get Chuck's book and you have to get this paper. But for sake of trying to give some framework to this, uh, Chuck, um, let's talk about the first thing that I see here, uh, rule changes that lift the floor rule changes that lift the floor now maybe you have to give that a little background first but talk to me about that well it goes to to my belief that the reason why inequality is growing is not because uh you know marty's working harder than me although maybe he is 
but that the larger trends are that the rules of the economy have been changed to benefit asset owners and investors at the expense of wage earners and workers. Mm. Um, so there's, I, I kind of have four categories of, of fixes. Mm. And the simple overview is there's things that we can do to raise the floor. Uh, so think um, raising the minimum wage or just improving the social safety net at the very bottom. Yeah. So that some societies have less inequality uh, because they like Canada or uh, Denmark, because, you know, there's there's a floor through which people can't fall. Yeah. Then there's what I would call level the playing field, just making sure the rules are fair for everybody. Why is it that small businesses uh, have the, the odds stacked against them and big business has all kinds of, uh, you know, benefits and, and, sure. and, and polls, et cetera. Yeah. The third category. Well, let, let's be, stop there, Chuck. I want to stop yeah, you there for I, a second. Um, so uh, and, and we're going to meet some of these things head on. So rule changes that lift the floor. You talk about a guaranteed minimum income. Okay. Talk to me about that. Well, that is actually a, a, a growing idea that, that uh, in Silicon Valley, which is people are recognizing, you know, we have all these labor saving labor job eliminating technologies. What about experimenting with the idea of the, the uh, a universal basic income or a guaranteed mm-hmm. income? And this is, was introduced by that radical president, Richard Nixon, mm. in 1973. Mm. Uh, he had this idea of a guaranteed family income, as opposed to all, you know, the, the $1.1 trillion of various sort of welfare support programs. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just say, give people some, give people a baseline of income. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it, it, that's a whole other show, a whole other topic. I know it is. And, and, and it's un- that it is, it is. Attracting, you know, Charles Murray yes. uh, on the right and others who are just saying we should be looking at this, uh, especially as so many people are going to be pushed out of their jobs because of technology. That's why we're having this discussion. We can't go into all the details. That's why people have to read this paper, your paper. Uh, we're, we're throwing out uh, some people may react to some of the things we're saying. I don't want you to react. Uh, maybe react, but write down a note to say, get paper, review the details. It's almost unfair to you, Chuck, that I'm throwing this out. But um, but the idea is to get people thinking. So under r- rule changes that level the playing field, um, you talk about revising free trade and fair trade rules. Give me a little more detail on that. And then we'll move to the ex- next couple. Well, we are, we obviously are having a, a not a very rigorous debate about trade. It's kind of an undercurrent to our politics. But, you know, for for several decades, we've been involved in global treaties uh, that, that people call free trade treaties. But they tended to pit, you know, communities like Scranton against a community uh, in Mexico, against a community in China over who's going to have the lowest wages and the lowest environmental standards. Mm. And so here we, you know, lo and behold, you know, Mr. Coffee Maker make, moves its factory from from uh, you know Cleveland to Monterey, Mexico to Beijing, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. because the so I think there's a way to say, look, we're we're in a global economy. We want to have healthy global trade, but it it shouldn't be in in, in done in such a way that just puts pits communities against each other in that kind of race to the bottom. Race to the bottom. That's what it is. Uh, number C uh, or letter C in terms of. Uh, kind of uh, talking about the paper. Um, here comes the hardball. 
People are going to react to this, Chuck. I know you're ready. Deconcentrating wealth. Deconcentrating wealth. First of all, why is this so important that we talk about this? Well, because at this stage in the economy, the concentration of wealth and power has become so formidable that we can't reduce inequality simply by raising the floor or leveling the playing field. We actually have to sort of take on the big question. And I I would say in the business sector, that is looking at monopoly power Mm -hmm. uh, and how, you know, what's happened in the beer industry, what's happened in airlines, what's happened in telecommunications, what's happening in retail. Uh, You know, will we all just work for Amazon in another decade? Mm. And because we've sort of let go of the driver's wheel, if you will, in terms of antitrust policy and ensuring that there's really competitive and open markets, mm-hmm. we're starting to see the encroachment of these monopoly actors. So we're not going to basically fix this problem unless we deal with the politically controversial topic mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. how do you deal with concentrated power? How do you yeah. break up monopolies? How do you address the fact that, you know, yeah. Yeah. the Forbes 400 has as much wealth as, you know, whatever, 65% of the population now? Yeah. That's we, we can't ignore it. That's in, in a way it's the most controversial, but I, I offer it up as yeah. uh, how else can we go forward really? Right. Well, the whole political thing has to do with taxes, a lot to do with taxes. Uh, and one of the things you talk about is eliminate tax preference for income from wealth. I know that's a real hot button. You talk about that a lot in your book and here, eliminate tax preference for income from wealth. What do you mean? And give me some more information. Well, this is essentially Warren Buffett's point, which is, uh, you know, he pays a lower effective tax rate than his secretary. That's because almost all of his income comes from capital, uh, whereas people who work for wages, uh, income is is uh, taxed at a higher rate. So mm-hmm. why don't we just say, look, let's have we'll have a why don't we treat income from various sources the same? If you have a low income, whether it's from capital or wage income, you pay at this rate. And if you have, you know, a million dollar income that comes from capital or from wages, it's taxed at a higher rate. But why do we kind of privilege mm. capital income mm. over wage income? Now, people have a very elaborate economic theory about that, you know, about capital formation. And, yeah. But but uh, actually, I've looked into this. It, it's not it, – it is not – it should not be sacred. We should not be treating – uh, you know, uh, concentrations of private wealth with some kind of tax preference. Stay here for more of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. My name is Peter Himmelman, Grammy and Emmy-nominated musician, author, and chief dream enabler of Big Muse. I'm proud to underwrite this episode of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. Discover why companies like Adobe, 3M, McDonald's, and Gap have brought in Big Muse's rock and roll-fueled seminars to get inspired, to get insight, and to get activated. Write to me today at peter at bigmuse.com. Protect and expand inheritance taxation. What do you mean by that? And I guess that's, I guess that's about the inheritance tax. Protect and expand inheritance taxation. Talk to me. Well, this this one is uh, maybe very controversial for your listeners. I am pro death tax, mm-hmm. which is technically called the estate tax. Estate tax. Yep. Effectively, an inheritance tax. So, yeah. right now we have a, a tax uh, eleven million dollars and up for individual from for couples 
five and a half million and up, that is when our inheritance tax, our estate tax kicks in. Uh, the people who want to get rid of it want you to think every small business and small farm and ranch is going to have to pay this, which is part of their propaganda campaign, frankly. Yeah. yeah. It, it, this is a tax that's paid by, you know, Donald Trump's children, mm. not by, you know, startup entrepreneurs. But they will, you know, they've done a masterful job confusing yeah. the public as to who actually pays this tax. Yeah. But it is a tax that puts a break on the concentration of wealth. And that's why Theodore Roosevelt and Andrew Carnegie 101 years ago were all advocating for a tax on inheritances. Yeah. Well, you use the word propaganda. Uh, well, I guess that's the right word. I guess the point that I want to make, why I interview, why I spend time with you, is that as far as I, you are giving solid information. So I'm going to, again, I'm speaking with Chuck Collins, and uh, the site that I want you to go to is inequality.org. It's an outstanding site, giving you facts, giving you statistics educating you it's not a 30 second blurb that you'll see on nightly news uh or whatever kind of news or on uh you know the so-called stations uh inequality.org and again if you want to find this paper just go to our work tab there you'll see reports and you'll see this uh article that we're talking about re- reversing inequality and 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 chuck you address some difficult topics and this is not a slam against entrepreneurship let's review that one more time right yeah, no. In fact, I think uh, some of the reforms that we're talking about here would unleash uh, I agree. entrepreneurship. It would create all kinds of opportunities for private enterprise. I agree. And, I agree. Uh, and would you know, it, you know, if you think about our main streets today, they're more and more dominated by uh, so almost global global actors. Local independent businesses are having to compete in you know upstream, swim yeah. upstream. Yeah. So, uh, and I think we do need to kind of relocalize and revitalize our our local economies. And, you know, I don't know about in your area. Do you have a craft brewery that started up or two? Sure. Local independent craft breweries. You know, if you think about these are kind of good examples of local enterprises. They employ locally. They're they're helping revitalize main streets and sections of cities. You know, we used to have eighty breweries in this country 40 yeah. years ago. Now we have 5,500. Mm. And yet there's two massive beer duopolies mm-hmm. that dominate the marketplace, uh, push the distributors to say, no, 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 don't put those craft breweries on brews in the, in the display case, you know, put them in the back of the store. They use their monopoly power to squeeze out these rising independent op- businesses. Yeah. So I, I, that's, that's an example to me yeah. Uh, if you like your beer, of why we should be concerned about monopoly power. Well, if you saw me, you'd understand that I like my beer. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God we're not on video, you know, or there are any side then, views, you know. You call Boston, my, I'm, I'm talking to you literally from an office above the Sam Adams Brewery. So oh, you- I loved you all along. Now I am absolutely committed to visiting. Uh, I talked to come on the tour, uh, on the tour. <laughs> Jim Cook, right or Coach, however you say his name, K O C H, right? Exactly. I talked to him years ago about an advertising campaign, long, long time ago, when he uh, when he really was nobody. He's somebody now, huh? Talk about a success story. But let's not get he's, off track. Go he's ahead. The only, only billionaire I see on a regular daily basis. <laughs> 
Well, I would think some people may cross the street when they see you. I hate to say that, Chuck, but, you know, in some cases. But I love you, and you're doing great work. So um, I got off track. Forgive me for that. Um, and this whole idea of deconcentrating wealth, uh, you have a special section where you talk about our, our offshore tax system, which is really kind of dovetailing into our conversation of these transnational, you know, worldwide companies. Talk to me about this offshore tax system that we have. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's some businesses that are not spending time focusing on building a bigger, uh, a better mousetrap or a better widget. They're focusing on uh, gaming their taxes as as kind of almost a profit center in their business. And, yeah. and, and so now you have this weird situation where like a company like um, United Parcel Service pays closer to an effective tax rate of 19 percent. And Federal Express pays, you know, one percent. Yeah. Now, there are two businesses. They're in the sort of same space. Why is that? Well, one is aggressively uh, uses tax loopholes and tax dodges and offshore tax system. So it, does, it it's a great example of an unlevel playing field. Yeah. yeah. Local businesses have to compete against these global businesses that are paying no taxes because they are, you know, they have these offshore shells. Now you could say, well, we should all create offshore shells, but uh, that that's not going to be possible, and it's not the way that we're going to pay for public infrastructure, et cetera. So, so I, I I raise that in this, you know, because there's huge amounts of what I would say hidden wealth now uh, and hidden income. Hidden wealth—that's the key phrase. We don't know this is going on. A majority of our population do not have any. Uh, most businesses don't understand this. They hidden. It's hidden. It's um. And this is where the phrase, the rich get richer, they don't have to do much other than, you know, they get into these, well, they do. And as you point out, they look at their finance people in these organizations as revenue streams, not as expense, right? Yeah. 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 No, the, 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 the accounting department becomes a profit center. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Everybody is an expense. It's crazy. But, you know, go ahead, Chuck. Well, I, I, I just think, um, you know, the good news is we do have a vibrant independent business sector mm -hmm. and we want to sort of be able to, you know, not stack the deck against them. And this is one of the ways we're going to have to deal with it. And you're right, Marty, people just don't know. We don't know. It works. You simply, know? simply don't know. It's the uh, undercurrent DC and I were talking about before you came on Mike and, and I, and I said, you know, why do I have this guy? I said, because people don't know. They simply don't understand. They're, they're again. They're listening to thirty-second blurbs uh, through social media or whatever, and they're getting and they're they're forming opinions on something that changes uh, thirty-three seconds or is not the complete truth. I'm not saying anybody's lying. So that's why I am speaking with Chuck Collins. His site is inequality.org, inequality.org. So you need to go there. You need to subscribe to the newsletter. I get, uh, I subscribe to that and I get updates. I love them. They're great. Um, so we're down to the last few minutes already, believe it or not. So you talk about rewiring the next system. And one of the things you talk about is broader, broader ownership of enterprises. So give me a kind of a brief, brief description of what you mean by that. Well, I think this is one of the most exciting areas, which I is, too. Uh, you know, if you want to re reduce inequality, uh, you don't necessarily have to redistribute wealth and opportunity. You can pre-distribute it by having multiple stakeholders, multiple owners of an enterprise. And we're seeing this both 
the gray-haired, you know, baby boomer entrepreneurs who are selling their businesses and they're saying, well, you know, there's that private equity fund over there that wants to buy it, but well, I could also sell it to my employees. They mm-hmm. know how to run the company and I've, mm-hmm. and so you're seeing more uh, second generation uh, worker ownership and you're seeing startups where yes. the businesses from, from the beginning are more broadly owned yeah. or a Chobani yogurt where, uh, you know, 10% of the stock yeah. is held by employees. Great, great so, story. So uh, yeah. I, I lift that up as, you know, the I think the ultimate, one of the ultimate ways forward, which is yeah. let's look at the ownership model and, and in a kind of very Jeffersonian idea, let's broaden ownership and stakeholders. Yeah. Well, the idea of B Corps, I'm very familiar with B Corps. We've had several people on that are B Corps. Um, one very big one is Cascade Engineering out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, what a great story. You check them out. And they talk about the triple bottom line, which is in alignment with what you're doing and, you know, the whole concept. Um, but the idea of B Corps, um, social investing is big now, uh, which is uh, getting it's getting bigger, right, Chuck? I mean, in terms of, you know, people looking to invest in companies, the triple bottom line and the environment and the, and the and the general welfare of everyone, correct? Yeah, and I think we want to we want to encourage capital yeah. to go off the Wall Street grid, if you will, and Amen. look for these emerging enterprises in their own communities. You know, let's move capital, bring capital back to places, to place based enterprises that are high road, you know, good jobs. Yeah, and and uh, and there's a lot of investors who are saying, "Yep, I'm, that's where I want my capital to work." Uh, I don't need to have these sort of phantom returns from these Wall Street firms where I don't really even know what they're doing. They're just moving paper around. Yeah. Let's let's get money capital back into the real economy of goods and services. Let's support support those local breweries, man. You know, let's keep it going, right? So so Chuck That's a great example, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I need to wrap up. My guest has been Chuck Collins. His book is Born on Third Base. You gotta get it. You'll love it. You'll love his story. You'll love what he wrote. You'll want to log on to inequality.org. Inequality.org. Again, if you want to look at this paper, which I strongly suggest that you do, you go to the tab Our Work, you hit reports, and there it'll be along with a bunch of other reports. So, Chuck Collins, thanks so much for being with us, man, and sharing your wisdom. Thanks, Marty, for the conversation. You bet. So thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf, reminding you to find this show and many others at csuiteradio.com. Thank you to our show sponsor. That's Peter Hemmelman and his Big Muse program. Check them out at bigmuse.com. Rock and roll fuel seminars that will unleash creativity and innovation in your organization. That's bigmuse.com. So on behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. 